0: Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Laith Saleem. Leith is a 28-year-old Lebanese-American, self-identified, non-binary, transgender person whose pronouns are they, them, and he, him. He was raised in Austin, Texas, and enjoys teaching others how to build a strong and stable foundation for themselves. Today, we'll talk about how they do that.
1: Hello, Leith. Hello, Brianna.
0: (laughs) How are you doing?
1: (laughs) I'm good. Oh my, God. are we going to really pretend like we didn't just have a 20-minute yeah. convo about how we're doing? Yeah, no, yeah, here we okay, are. Okay, we're just gonna, we're just gonna do it again. <laughs> cool. No, cool. Um,
0: yeah. I'm actually just trying to think how I, we met. I think we met at South By the first year I lived here, so that was 2017, it was the first South By I went to. We met at an event at Dropbox.
1: We did.
0: And I was like, they're so cute. Look at them.
1: And then we've been like friends ever since. <laughs> I know. That's so crazy. I remember that event. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit more about, I guess, how did we, we met at the, did we meet at the event or did we just connect on social media after the event? And we, yes. Yeah, so wow.
0: like we, we met at the event, but it was like, hi and by and passing. Like you're wearing a okay. your name tag, my name's Bri. Your name's blah. Well, mm-hmm. um, but then I, wholeheartedly and honestly stalked you on social media and <laughs> thought you were really cute and then i figured out you had a partner i was like well we could be friends i guess um and then um yeah and then
1: i think like we lost yeah. go go ahead uh, i was just like thinking like i wonder who i was dating at the time but
0: it was a taller brunette girl
1: mm, yes i remember
0: <laughs> um since you know you're dating all the people out here in, in the world i forget you have to like give a time crunch with life um and Absolutely. then <laughs> uh and then we connected via social um but i don't think we like we really got close close until i started working at out youth and doing like a bunch of stuff with um facebook which is where you work um so maybe like the last like year two years we've gotten really like closer but yeah, it's been, like, a full, like, four years coming, and I've been waiting.
1: I know. It feels like we've known each other for so damn long, <laughs> but, and we were talking about this before we officially started the podcast, but we we, like, never have had this, like, consistent cadence of, like, hanging out, but we see each other everywhere, and we're, like, involved in things together. So, yeah, this is our time. Quarantine time is our time to finally talk more often and then hang out afterward too i'm into we're gonna it. make it happen
0: i'm into it i mean you have my number you know how to find me we're gonna make it happen
1: we are gonna make it happen
0: is there anything else you want the people to know about you before we jump into your your topic i mean like i said we, were, we met we like not met but we've recently reconnected because you started working at facebook because you're a fancy tech
1: person um <laughs> Not even. Um, no, not really. Like, yeah, that's kind of the gist. And, um, you know, as you mentioned in my bio, uh, Lebanese American. So I am first gen and I am trans. I also identify as non-binary. I, I prefer they, them pronouns, although he and pronouns have become like an identity that or. um, a way to refer to me that I don't feel uncomfortable with,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's weird. It's like I, I prefer they, then they. That truly feels more authentic to who I am. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's because at a point, in, there was a point in my life where I didn't, I could never see myself as a man because of all of the things men are associated with I was like Mm. one you one I I don't want to be a bad dude so I don't want to be I don't want to be male like I just really couldn't wrap my head around ever identifying with men Mm -hmm. but since then I feel like I've like moved along this journey of like figuring out like men a lot of men are good like a lot of men can be good and there are quote-unquote good men out there and I don't have to be a shitty man Um, if I am a man, so I've gotten more comfortable with like a male identity, but I really just feel like gender is this thing that boxes people. So I really just don't even want to put myself in another box. We're going off on a tangent like that. We were not even going to talk about, talk about, um, my gender uh, today necessarily, but yeah, it's just like, I've moved along that journey to, to feel like I can identify with more um with more men now so he him pronouns they them pronouns um and then other things about me I yeah I mean I work at Facebook right now um and I've been I've been there now for almost two years and that's like a really cool experience too and you know with what we're going to talk about today which I won't steal your thunder you can tell us what the topic is but um essentially I'm really excited about talking about stability and building a strong foundation for yourself which sounds so boring in theory I think but I really want to talk about how I've built like a strong foundation for myself and in a lot of ways and so and why that matters so much to my health like my mental health and to physical and future self-well-being so that's like that really gets me jazzed like I'm a weirdo who loves talking about like retirement and like planning for the future um so anyway I I I was so unstable at a point in time that it just like feels really good to be stable so I just get jazzed about that topic so any yeah so we can talk about that today and (laughs) You guys can hear me rant about I it. I
0: feel like you, you know, pretty much entered it. So we're talking about stability. Um, I think what really got us into this topic, though, was that we realized we both moved back in with family when we graduated from college. So, like, I moved back in with, I moved in with my grandmother after I graduated from college, and then you moved back home with your family in Austin. Um mm-hmm. And so, like, we were both talking about that the other day. And we we're, like, brainstorming through topics of, like, I feel like now with, like, how expensive college is and, like, you know, especially, like, now with quarantine going on, like, a lot of kids will be or uh, or already have moved back home to live with parents. Um, but I think about, like, when I moved back, I thought, like, after I graduated college, I would get a job right away making this money. And then, like, Would live on my own and blah, blah, blah. And then like the real world hit and you're like, you know, you have to pay like student loans. You have to pay (laughs) all the other bills that come along with like being an adult. Um, so I ended up living with my grandmother for two or three years after three years after I graduated college, twenty twelve to twenty fifteen. Um, and then I moved in with roommates for a year and then I moved to Austin after that. Um, so like I think about like that, and like I know you moved home after you graduated. Um, I also know I am an only child, technically. (laughs) You are not. So I think that's also interesting, too, of, like, you know, you move home, and now it's, like, you and your siblings and your parents, and then, then you transitioned when you moved home,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, and that was it. Yeah, oh, my gosh, we can get into that. But, like, yeah, so after college, I was, like, you know, like, it is tough out here. I am really trying hard to get a job, and it is not fucking working. Like, I'm sorry. Can we curse on this podcast? Absolutely, gosh. Okay, yes. I don't even curse that often, but it. You it know happens. what? It was really, it was a really hard time out there, yeah. and like, it was really fucking hard. And so, you know, getting a job was was difficult. Um, I generally feel like I was never very good at interviewing or, or really putting a ton of value on what I know and what I could bring. And I had a really difficult time talking about my experiences and like what I'm capable of. And there's a lot of like imposter syndrome that I think happens after you graduate too. You're thinking like you're seeing all your friends get jobs or move to new cities Mm -hmm. or go to grad school. And it, it looks like the world is just like progressing beyond you yeah everyone everyone is moving forward except you and at least that's how I really felt and I was like you know what this is not like it is not going to be perfect and it is not going to be easy and I need to figure out a way to get quote-unquote like on my feet but I was like there's going to be some sacrifices that I have to make unfortunately and I'm not going to get to live my like ideal life to your point um like you know to your point like yeah there's a lot of stuff that you have to pay for um student loans like just life and so I was like I'm gonna move home um and I'm gonna live with my family and that was something that was really hard for me to do because you're the oldest I'm no I'm the middle child okay so, my older sister is 20, um, 29, and I'm 28, so we're only, like, 14 months apart, and then my, we have a younger brother, um, he is 22, so there's a big gap between us, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm the middle child. Yeah, it was wild to to move home. What was your experience moving home, like, or moving in with your grandma? My grandmother.
0: Um, grandmother? Yeah. For me, it was, I mean... At that point, like, my dad and I had stopped talking when I was 18. So it was now, like, f- four or five years, and I wasn't talking to my father. So, you know, living with my grandmother was, like, ooh, a blessing that I, a blessing in disguise, honestly. Like, to be able to live with, because my mom passed when I was 15. So, like, my mom passed when I was 15. My grandfather, my mom's dad passed when I was 18. So, like, my grandma and I had both experienced these really large losses within, like, 2000 2006 2008 so those those big years and then like we got to live together and like it was so interesting to like talk to her like I feel like we all have grandparents if we're lucky like they're still alive but like we don't sit and just talk to them and like hear about like what they went through like I found out my grandmother like basically had like a full ride scholarship for basketball and then like turned it down to do something else and I was like girl what and then (laughs) like being able to like (laughs) ask her like recipes and like just watch just to watch her some days of like you know she was getting she's getting older she's in her late 70s I want to say um maybe early 80s I'm the worst I can't remember but you know (laughs) watching her those couple of years and like the shift to, like, I was living with her, like, she wasn't charging me, like, rent or anything, which I was really grateful for, but, like, she was, like, I want you to, like, take the money you're making from work, put it towards student loans, you need a new car, like, so just, like, giving me that space to do that, which was very, I'm very lucky, Um, but then, like, to be able to sit and get to know her as a person, like, not as, like, like, I feel like a lot of us, like, if we don't sit and talk to our grandparents, they're just, like, people we see, hug, kiss at holidays, like, they don't, like, get to have, like, actual, like, personalities Mm -hmm. um so yeah I mean that was it was it was one of the most beautiful things and then you know I ended up like taking care of her for a little while like my grandma does not know how to put gas in a car my grandma (laughs) only goes to the grocery store to Joanne Fabrics and to church like she doesn't (laughs) do much
1: Um, (laughs) that's so cute I'm just like imagining her I'm
0: so it's so funny because like she's so active like she talks on the phone all day every day with her friends and you know my aunt lives up uh, upstairs live in a, they live in a two family house and my aunt lives upstairs um so like she would watch my younger cousin for my aunt and so like my grandma's active she's just like very introverted I actually called her last week for her birthday um and she was like i'm thriving like not leaving the house is literally my jam so I was, like,
1: okay. <laughs> she's like this is exactly what i needed
0: yeah actually like, this Some is people my are thriving of in
1: quarantine for sure i don't
0: get it G- god bless y'all but yeah she was very much like She's thriving. This is her cup of tea with like lemon and honey in it. Like she's so happy. Um, But then I don't know. It's just been, it's been so great to know her. Like she came down for Thanksgiving this past year. um, And like I stayed up to 2am like cooking with her, like just like, She's become a friend, and I'm really, like, she's probably one of my favorite people, and she's very shady and hilarious, which is probably where I get it from, Um, but, yeah, like, just, just being able to get to know her and grow with her, and, like, also, like, being able to talk to someone who knew my mom, honestly, like, and not, like, just, like, as, like, a sister, but, like, someone, like, my mom and my grandma were really close, too, so, like, having that sort of, like, generational thing with her has been really great, so, yeah, I mean, and also, like, w- growing up, a lot of the holidays, we would spend it with my dad's side of the family, and so, like, that shift, like, I got to spend, like, my adult year holidays, like, with my mom's side of the family was, like, really beautiful, too, so, I don't know, I, f- I feel like it was a really beautiful experience, and I can't even talk about it, but the, if I, the when I have to lose her, I don't know, how. like, I, it's just it's just always, like, so great to, like, talk to her and just, like, hear her and, like, how she's doing well and, like, she's living life and just all these things. And I just think, like, we we don't appreciate our grandparents enough. And so, like, living with her, put that into perspective.
1: That's so beautiful. I, yeah, I've never lived with a grandparent, so that sounds, like, so beautiful. I, with my, with my grandparents, so, my we grew up with my mom's side of the family they all live in austin my dad's side of the family all lives in lebanon and so um my my grandparents on my mom's side i did grow up with them my grandpa passed away this past year and my grandma like probably eight years ago and it's so crazy because i just don't feel like i ever really knew them and i regret that But it was difficult because their, their, like, primary language was Arabic, and I understand Arabic, and I can speak enough to get me by, but there's no way I can, like, ask them, uh, like, we can have, like, really, like, meaningful, like, in-depth conversations, which is so sad to think about, but... Um, Yeah, I never got to, I never had a chance to get to know them the way it sounds like you got to get to know your grandma and like are continuing to get to know her. But it's so cool that she like, she I feel like she did set you up like, you know, she like, by not letting you pay rent, by letting you just like work and save your money and get a new car and get settled like that's, that's what I feel like we need sometimes parents or grandparents for. Mm -hmm. Um, or like really good friends to get us, get us on our feet. Cause it's just like, it can be tough. Like they're, you know, graduating from college or just like not going to college at all and trying to get a job and like build a foundation for yourself is by no means easy. Um, I graduated in 2014 and we're in 2020 right now. And, um, so about six years of living with them. Um, that it took me to like really get grounded uh, financially and in a lot of ways, like mentally too. You know, as you mentioned, I transitioned while living with them, which changed everything about our dynamic in what first felt like the worst ways possible. And then over time, like has really brought us closer, but also just building like financial stability through through living there has changed my entire life and like I don't know I I you and I had unique experiences like not everyone gets to live with their grandparents for a bit or their parents and like get to do that but man if you have the chance to like it's a game changer I mean, yeah. it can be a game changer so yeah at least for me it felt that way
0: so you're you're saying I think I, I, if it's okay like I want to focus on like how let me phrase this a different way so like with me i have never technically come out to my grandmothers either of them <laughs> they have just learned not to ask about my dating life i think slash one of them is on facebook so i'm sure she knows but like it's not been a mm. conversation but i think about like when i moved out of my grandma's house and went i went to live with roommates um and then when i was moving to austin she was a whole different thing um but the first question she asked me when I moved out was like, who's going to take care of you? I'm like, I need you to ver- like, to go into that a little bit more. And she's like, well, who's going to help you pay your bills? I'm like, who do you think helps pay my bills now? She was like, no, like, she's like, aside from like the rent thing, because obviously like, I was at a new job and making more money. So I was like, grandma, like, I can afford it. She's like, yeah, but like, who's going to take care of you? Because I'm single. And she just has this thing in her mind of like, if I never get married, I'm never going to be like, Okay. And I was like, Grandma, I'm going to be fine. Like, I have a good paying job. I have this. You helped me out a lot when you, like, let me live with you for a couple of years. Like, I'm, I'm good. I have a good, you know, stepping stone, foundation, all the things. But still, like, for her, like, for her to constantly worry about that. And I'm like, and mind you, my mom was one of five. So I have, like, 15, 16 cousins. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, I'm the one you need to worry about <laughs> the least. <laughs> so here we are. Um, <laughs>
1: Don't but I think about your
0: cousins I mean they're a mess um but I'm thinking um like with you like you were the middle child you moved home after graduation um you 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 said that your family is supportive of you but like I wanted and but then you did mention like the dynamic changes of like when you did transition and like I'm just thinking about that too like you it's already I already think about like when people move home it's like that that like crux of like I am your child, but I'm not a child. And so like, it's that weird energy. Um, And then you're going through this really big life change and like they're playing witness and like supporting you through that. So yeah, I mean, if you're okay talking about that, I would love to talk about like what that that journey looked like for, for y'all.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was like, so there's so many pieces to it. So I think anyone moving back in with their family that feels already in itself like sometimes, at least for me, it felt like a step back. Mm-hmm. It meant for a moment, it felt like, wow, I have to move back in. Therefore, I am not successful. I did not make it. I You're I am a failure, a failure because, yeah. because I, I graduated from college. I lived out, you know, of the house the entire time. And so to go back after, to your point, like, people think like you go to college and then you like, graduate you get a great job and like you get a ton of money and like you move out you start living your dream life and things just start really falling together but that's just not how it was for me or for you or for a lot of people so one it felt like a step back number one first and foremost but also I came out as you know I'm I was assigned female at birth at so at the time I came out as like just uh, gay, like a lesbian, um, in junior year, but it was very secretive. It was only within my immediate group of friends. Junior year of high school or college? In high school. Okay. So I I'd like, come out, um, and it was, that was in itself just, like, sexuality, like, just so difficult, and, like, my parents didn't really get it, and, like, we never really talked about it. So, When I went off to college, I was just like becoming a new person. Like, they didn't know, they didn't really know what was going on with me. I didn't really know what was going on with them. Like, we were just separating. And I just kind of thought, honestly, like that was the path we're on forever. Like, we're just going to keep growing and growing apart because they're not going to get what I'm going through. I'm not going to care to like explain it. Like, I don't have the, I didn't have the patience for that at the time. Like, just going through so much of my own shit that I feel like I didn't have the capacity to bring them along. And so moving back in, I was really confronted with that because now I'm living with these people and like, they're still trying to enforce, um, like, you know, heterosexuality on me and like never very intentionally, but like, that's just how they always thought of me as their like straight, you know, little girl. And so... Uh, I was just lumped in, like, as I was my entire life with my sister. My sister is cis, hetero, um, very feminine in, like, all the traditional ways. So she's always fit the mold, and I never did. So it was – I was always being lumped into her. And so when I came back home and, like, I just – I was really confronted with that. And I felt like I was constantly, like – having to justify my queer identity and how I wanted to show up and like get dressed for special events. Wasn't how my sister did. And so there was like always a lot of like tension and I was always just becoming like more and more frustrated with them. But really I was just more and more frustrated with myself because I felt like unhappy. So it wasn't until like 2000, maybe like 15, 16, that I really started thinking about my gender. And then I was like, shit, I don't think I'm just gay. I think I'm, I think I'm trans. And like, I kept that a secret for a while. Um, and, you know, at the time I, I was really struggling with like, do I medically transition or not? Do I get on hormones? Like, will I have support? And truthfully, they didn't get it. Like they did not get being trans. They just, I think they were repulsed by the idea in all honesty, like siblings, parents, but it's because they didn't get it. And as I like was slowly moving along in my journey, like regardless of what they were saying, I began feeling happier myself. Like the physical changes I was having, the emotions I was having, the community I was finding who identified like me, I myself became a more happy person, like a happier person. And um, it wasn't until they saw me finally living like authentically that I think they got on board and that's when everything changed. Um, We never had a close relationship. I never talked to them about my life, about what's going on with me about who I'm dating, about what I want to do. I was very like cold to them and they were always trying to be warm to me, but not in the ways I needed. So it took like just consistently moving forward in my journey, medically, physically, um, socially, emotionally, mentally to get to where I am now and for them to finally be on board. And it's like it was just tough like they i was getting misgendered all the time by my family and not just like because at the time i was exclusively using they them pronouns but they were just like she me and hurrying me all day introducing me to people with the wrong pronouns with the wrong name all the time and it was really tough and it's just like i yeah i mean i am just going off on a tangent now but and i'm rant, i'm just kind of ranting but it it really got to this point where i think they could see me getting happier and drifting further and further away from them that i don't know how conscious it was but they made a decision to start using the right pronouns um and because there's a language barrier, like in Arabic, that's their, my parents' primary language, they, it was difficult to use they, them, because literally this doesn't translate in Arabic the same way. So they just, you started using he, him with me and calling me by the right name and started talking to my mom about how I really wanted top surgery. And she was afraid that, you know, it's going to run into complications. And she was, my dad was like worried that I was making a, a mistake and that I would regret it. And so there was a lot of conversations and a lot of, like, bringing them along. But – and a lot of, like, really, really advocating for myself as someone who is pretty soft-spoken and, like, definitely was very soft-spoken at the time and wasn't a huge advocate for myself. I had to really advocate for myself. And so um, it's, like, as I got happier and started moving along in my journey, it's, like, today they, like – they knew, like, if they didn't come along and get on board, they were gonna lose me completely, and I would have eventually like left the house and just not not brought them into my life. But luckily, that didn't happen, and like we're in such a good place today. Um, you know, they're like they just so so much embrace my gender, which is exciting, and it like feels like we are just a much happier unit. Um, so I'm super grateful for that. Um, and I don't think that could have happened had I not lived at home. Like had, I, had they not been there for the first steps of transition, had they not seen the, the physical changes, had they not had me around every day to use the pronouns, the right pronouns with and uh, the right name. And for me, constantly, constantly advocating for myself and correcting them or calling them out when they misgendered me. So living at home did a lot of things for me. It like felt like it got me my family back, even though it was hard. It also let me save a ton of money. It also let me like get on my feet like mentally and transition in like a safe home. Um, So it it just did wonders for my life. And like, I really think it was just the first time I'd ever felt so stable. like right now is the most stable I've ever been in my entire life in all, all facets. So it was, it was a journey, but um, yeah, I mean, six years ago. So, so that's, that's the spiel on at least what living at home from like a gender perspective did for me. I love that.
0: That was a good so tangent. much so many
1: words. It was so a good
0: tangent. Words. That was good. It's important. Um, I think that is a great place to take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back still here with Leif. I would love to talk about the fact that we both had to move home because financially we needed, you know, that help and that stability from our, from our families. Um, but I think it's mostly because the system is not set up to succeed, right? Like higher education is very expensive. Um, and if you don't have people who have been saving for you to go, or if you don't have scholarships to go, you're either getting loans or paying out of pocket and it's very expensive. Um, but I've been like, I think for like the last couple of years, I've been seeing a lot of things around like now, like student loan debt forgiveness. But like before that, there was this whole thing about like millennials are lazy and they just want handouts and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, we literally cannot survive because we're going to be paying for student loans the rest of our lives because the people before us went to school and then fucked up the economy. So we'll love to have that That's conversation because cool. I have lots of feelings because it's like you can't succeed it's almost like quote unquote you can't succeed in life if you don't get a higher education but then you get it you go to school then you can't find a job because they want you to have experience but then you went to college to get experience but that experience doesn't translate so now it's like you're taking menial jobs like I couldn't find a job that first summer after I graduated um so like I was able and by not be able to find a job I was like not a job in the field that I wanted to work in um luckily um my advisor at college needed an assistant for the summer so I ended up working for her. Um, but after a while, you know, like the school, the summer session was ending um, and she didn't need me for when school started back up. And so my grandma's like, what are you going to do for money? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, you can like go back and work in restaurants. And I was like, yeah, but then what if I get stuck working in restaurants forever? Cause like, that's so easy to just to slip back into that. And then also like never pay off your student loans. Cause now you're working, you know, a job that really isn't going to pay you enough. So, I mean, I think about how like when in college, I was like a big fish in a small pond. Like I went to a very small liberal arts college. I, you know, I was an RA for three years. Um, I did student government for four. I was a student orientation counselor for three. By the time I was a senior, no, by the time I was a junior, I was having lunch with the president of our college (laughs) every like month. Like because I did student government and I like represented our whole student body. So like, I was, and then you graduate and you're like, I mean nothing to the world. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am just a generic person out here. So yeah, I I really want to like talk about how, you know, you leave college as like this person who like knows this world and then you transfer out back, back into the real world, real, real world essentially. um, And then you're like not sort of to succeed. So yeah, let's
1: jump in. Yeah. I think that's such a valid, valid thing. I mean, so my parents, you know, they, they are wonderful people. They really are. But, um, you know, I'm first gen, they are immigrants to this country. They, they truly did not know how to like save up for us to go to college. And frankly, like they, they were paying, they were not earning enough money to even do that had they been advised to. So it really, the three of us, um, we all have paid for our own way, and the only way to first pay for it is you don't we don't have our own savings to do that. we got student loans so and I went to actually I went to u t it I live in Texas, so I was in state tuition, but with that said, it's like the tuition is still generally like pretty pricey in my opinion and but it's a really good education but what I also had to pay for that I feel like a lot of people don't have to pay for is um like boarding, like, I mean, I needed, I paid for my rent using loans, I paid for my groceries using loans, like, I paid for everything with loans. So I walked out with several, several thousands of dollars in debt. But it was like, either that or don't go to college, like it was that or don't get education. And like, I, you know, there's people who may have connections, I think to like, through their parents to get them some high paying jobs without an education. But that like, wasn't an option for me. So I, you know, I accrued a ton of debt and my monthly payment was, was and still is a lot, but you're right. It's like this necessary evil. You have to go. Otherwise it's really tough to get a job. My first job out of college, I was earning like probably like once taxes were taken out, like $25,000 a year. And so that was the number one reason why I was like, well, I'm going to stay living with my family uh, because this isn't enough to like pay for rent, pay my student loans, you know, live my life and save any money. So that's the reason I was like, I got to move home. And um, honestly, again, like best decision of my life. Like I just never, I would have never been able to save a dime had I not was a super blessing that I got to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's expensive, you know.
0: It's so expensive. And it's like it's I mean, let's if we think of education as like a continued force form of institutionalized racism, right? Because like Cassidy, who's a therapist um at Out Youth I used to work with, we talked about this on her episode of like, sorry, on their episode. Um how uh being a therapist is like such a difficult job because it costs so much money so like a lot you don't see a lot of therapists of color just because it's so expensive like you have to pay for your undergrad and then you have to also get like your master's but then you also like have to work an internship unpaid and then you have to like also do like all the other things unpaid and like the system itself is just not like geared up for us to succeed um i'm hoping that you know with politics some things can start to change but I mean my nominee did not get picked that's all I'm going to say and I will move forward because hmm. I'm still over it um but yeah I you mean know. I, I also think we need to understand that like these systems in place need to change change drastically and I'm interested in seeing how they will change now that we're in you know quarantine and COVID and how that's going to affect the economy because I feel like a lot of people are like trying to do like a lot of settlements right now just to keep (laughs) the economy alive essentially so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah I don't
1: know yeah on yeah on that note it's like with quarantine I feel like it's more than ever just putting such a spotlight on all of the like deficiencies in our economy and in and how we're set up as a system mm-hmm. you um i saw something on uh i think it was instagram and it was like there's four classes of people now it's the billionaires it's the people who can still do their job over zoom and the and actually sorry i think it's only three classes it's billionaires people who can do their job over zoom and then the unemployed oh and then actually there is four there's like the uh, people who are, like, still doing, like, landscaping, or, like, the, uh, the necessary workers that are, like, grocery stores, Mm -hmm. yeah, the essential workers, that's, like, the four classes that we have now, and, like, that group of people who are, like, unemployed, um, I feel like it's telling of what kind of money you make if you are a, quote-unquote, Zoom worker versus an essential worker or an unemployed person, Mm -hmm. um, so we're really starting to see that, like, people just don't have stability and for so many people to file for unemployment and like that to be their only form of income now and to also be not enough to pay their mortgage and their rent just shows how month to month every single person or so many people at least have been living which is which is so sad and just is telling of like people just do not people are not being paid enough to to live Um, no living wage
0: you know yeah and then i'm also interested in seeing like how this will change how people view like assistance and quote-unquote handouts like i was on instagram last night and some guys like i got i went down a rabbit hole and ended up on this like random person's instagram and his like his like uh bio was like no handouts you work for what you deserve or like you earn what you deserve and i was like sir you are a white man like (laughs) can we track that privilege for a minute um Mm -hmm. but i I think about that right now too of like how you know this virus isn't discriminating like it's affecting everyone um and you know if we look at essential workers it's mostly like low economic people of color marginalized groups who have to keep working or it's the frontline like doctors who a lot of these doctors are immigrants or like first gen or like you know, so that's been interesting, too, of, like, how is the conversation on immigration going to change? Now, like, essentially, the doctors who are saving our lives are immigrants, like, Mm. I'm just, you know, I'm trying not to make the virus political, but then also, like, you know, our lives are politics, like, everything that happens happens because of politics, and so, I don't know, I'm just, I feel like I've, I've known that this, you know, quarantine and COVID and Everything's going to affect us as a society, but I don't think people understand like how it's going to really trickle down into like how people like think of, you know, other people who are like need assistance or need support or like, you know, these nonprofits who are still trying to like keep the doors open and serve these people. And now it's like mm. how are we doing that? Like with budgets getting cut left and right. So yeah, I'm I'm terrified, but I'm also interested in seeing what that looks like and yeah, I, I, I hope this pushes forward the change that we need to like help people become more stable.
1: Yeah, I think about also like the frontline employees and like it makes me think a lot about healthcare. It's like they are ones who are putting their lives like at risk, right? And mm-hmm. they are being paid probably what is not a living wage. You know, they're probably getting paid somewhere between like 10 and 12 dollars an hour, which, um, if anyone's earned that, you know that is not enough money to really live comfortably or even pay your minimum bill sometimes. Um, and that also means that you're oftentimes in that position, you don't have health care. Like you don't have health care through your job. So you are either left without health care or you are paying a really big premium every month to have it. And so it's just like, it's sad to think about these people still having to go to work um who maybe don't have insurance like putting their lives at risk every single day while there's people like me who i get to work from home still i get to zoom in to to all my meetings still and still do my job so it is you know to your point politics are everywhere and i think like this is really putting some some spotlight on like all these deficiencies in our system but like yeah i mean it's tough and people i know are going to soon start uh be you know they're going to start being in a position to like lose their homes and go file for bankruptcy and all their homes are going to be foreclosed so it's just like really tough to see people like not able to pay their bills and like to the topic that we're talking about today which is like stability it's A lot of people don't have that. Um, And so I, I don't know, back to like the topic of like moving in, moving in with your parents if you can, like my student loan started off at about like $39,000 and ever since I graduated from college, I've been making payments of $650 every month, which is fucking crazy but i've got it down now to like 14k but had i not moved home to 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 like have that flexibility um, that money would it would have like turned into with interest something like you know 55k by now or something so it's just like yeah i don't know what i'm going where i'm going with this but <laughs> it's just yeah. crazy to like yeah, you know, people just, like, it's not, the disparities are here, you can see them, and I think coronavirus is just really exacerbating them.
0: Well, I think about, like, what you're saying, like, people losing housing, like, that's the biggest form of stability, like, you see that, like, kids who have constant housing or stable housing do a lot better, and so I'm thinking of that, like, coming from a social work background of, like, how much it's going to affect a whole generation of kids now, right, like, they're not gonna... Mm -hmm be able to thrive as much as they would have if they could have kept their housing like just like not like that level of uncertainty um and taking that form of stability away like it's gonna affect a whole lot of people um and really change like the makeup of this generation of just being like well we didn't have stable housing because my parents had to file for bankruptcy because so now it's like they file for bankruptcy so which means like now their parents probably can't even apply for like like student loan assistance for them like they probably won't be able to like co-sign for a loan later on in life for their kids so it's mm-hmm. like I can go on tangents about the the discrepancy <sighs> like marginalized groups and how like none of us are a suited for success but that's that's like, I know that's like breaking my heart like having worked with parents and and you know children of like lower income like uh households I'm just like my heart breaks I just it's I know it's how much it's going to affect them
1: so, yeah, another thing that I was thinking about, too, it's, like, I don't know if you've heard this, but I've heard some news about this being the generation that's, quote, unquote, like, left behind or forgotten because this generation of, of students, um, I don't know. So, with a lot of, a lot of schools now, in, instead of doing, like, online courses because they're just not set up for that, which is so you know, core when it comes to planning. Um, It's like, that should be a priority. But what they're doing is they're sending packets home to students to like, do their homework and stay on, stay on track and stay on course with the curriculum. And it's interesting, because it's like, if let's say you are um, unemployed, like an unemployed parent, you probably like your first priority, honestly, isn't going to be like helping your 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 son, daughter, child go through their packet and, like, stay on course for the year. Um, I also think about if you're low income, you, like, one one person maybe who has their own bedroom and has, like, parents who are financially stable, um, has a quiet space, has a desk to work at and do that packet, versus, or even the family who can hire a... An, a tutor to to zoom in and te- you know teach the kid and keep keep them on track versus the students who you know don't have parents who can help them with their packet maybe don't have their own bedroom don't have a quiet workspace don't have internet at home like that that group of students are they're going to be left so far behind when we get back into the school year eventually like they will not have received the education that they needed. Um, so it's just crazy to me that the school systems are like expecting kids to, expecting that this giving this packet and expecting kids to complete it and hold everyone to the same standards is right. happening right now. It's just, yeah. So
0: I was talking to someone the other day who's a teacher, I want to say, and they were saying how like it's difficult trying to assign things like, cause then you have like, kids who like live in like rural areas and they have no internet access or there's nothing near them so like they can't like go to a library I mean we can't go anywhere anyway but like just that um and then also like I think about also coming from a social work background of the families who like depend on school lunches for their kids because now all these kids Mm. are like for sure food unstable right like unstable They have, you know, these kids literally don't know when they're going to eat again because either their parents aren't working or, you know, some of the schools were doing like takeaway lunches and what have you. But, you know, as we start to like lose less and less, as we start to lose more and more workers, um, thinking about how that's going to like trickle down for sure, because now these people aren't going to be there to provide the lunches for the kids. It's just, every time I talk to someone, I'm like, maybe I don't want kids. Like... (laughs) thinking about like how like just like not set up for success the United States is for us as a country I'm just like I can't imagine we're trying to raise a child in this country like especially like with all the instabilities that are going up that's a whole different episode anyway
1: totally so is just like a a really thing to a really hard thing I feel like to acquire in this country especially as an immigrant or first gen or uh, just a person of color you know it's really tough to acquire and then i would say it's even really tough to, to maintain it's like a lot of people who a lot of people may have some support from their family financially like they can lose their job and still like be sent money from their parents but a lot of people can't and like i i feel like this country to your point is just really not set up for people to um to acquire stability. And I'm, that's why I'm just so, so focused. Like I, you know, people make fun of me, like, it, like if you talk, ask anyone in my own, in my personal life, who's like really close to me, if they, if you ask them how I thought about money, probably one of the words they would use is like, to use to describe me and money is like very frugal. And, um I, I don't try intentionally to be this super frugal person who's like saving every dime, but when you come from a family, you come from a background where you don't have a safety net, like you don't have parents who can back you up financially. Um, You don't have like a really big savings. Like for me, the only way to get control over my life is to like spend very little. Like I love my sister so much, but we just think about money very differently. She's um, as you know, now like 14 months older than me. She bought a Mercedes yesterday. And I was like, what the f (laughs) with? Like, are you flipping kidding me? Um and just like crazy, crazy shit like that. Like I'm just like I freaking drive a Prius, like it's paid off finally, but I'm gonna (laughs) drive this car until like the Freaking tires fall off. Like it's just like I don't know. For me, I'm just like I really want to acquire some wealth in my life, and it's not gonna be done by anyone else except me. And I really gotta like save save the monies if I want to do it. So um, I don't know. What, what the point of that is? Like I would love to give if I have kids, which I would like to have. I'd like to give them the stability that. I didn't really have growing up and I'd be able to help them with college and be able to help them with so many things like 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 I said my parents like they wouldn't have been able to help me medically transition like top surgeries you know how expensive hormones payments and fees to to change your name legally um, it's expensive and so you know if you don't have your own dollars to do that then then that's, I think that's really where my, my frugal mindset started. It's like, I was like, I need to start like getting my own money for my own transition. Like this is something I have to do. So it's just crazy. It's like, we're, I really was not set up to have any sort of stability and I just, I know we're not, I like to say we're in control of our lives. And to some extent I think we really are, but you really got to like choose what your priorities are and put together plans to get there um yeah so anyway i'm on a tangent i don't even know what i'm talking about now but like Initial stability, stability is, and children
0: this is like, important <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it is and it's like i sound like i'm like 50 years old like talking about this i think sometimes like like no one my age ever likes to talk about this stuff but i'm just like a kind of obsessed with stability and like obsessed with control and obsessed with um like compounding interest and like how to make more money out of my money and and because I just like I don't have I don't know I just really believe in creating what I like to call like my fuck you money Mm. which is which is money that is in my bank account that you know if I wanted to quit my job because I was so unhappy or I wanted to move to a different country or a different city like for some other purpose. Like I have that. I, I, I don't know. I don't like to feel tied down to um, my circumstances and Mm -hmm. money is such an ugly thing, but it can also be the path to freedom and the path to choice. So I feel like if that means being frugal for 10 years, 15 years of your life, saving as much money as you can to get like, this safety net built underneath you that you maybe didn't have growing up, I would say, I would say do it. Um it doesn't come with soc- without sacrifice, but I feel like I've built um a strong foundation. And it's it's again like freed up my mind to think about other things instead of just like how I'm gonna pay my rent. So um yeah, again I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not started out living with my family, but um if you can do it I highly recommend it
0: and there's no shame in it like I feel like there's also that's also that part too like if I move home I'm a failure I'm like no, you are using the car that you were dealt to help get yourself to a place of stability so I was uh, I agree with Leith if you are in a place where you you know can be around your family and they're supportive and it's a healthy environment for all those involved I would say 100% Mm -hmm. do it so
1: or like live some really like live in just like a really cheap apartment or, you know, I don't know, like just really just like save your pennies. Um, I don't know. That's I'm talking obviously with, i I got to go to college and you know, I did have a family that I could live with and there's a lot of factors. I definitely, um, I'm lucky, I guess, in those ways, in the same ways that I think you are living with your grandma. And, yeah, but I realize awesome. I realize that is not like an option at all for some people. So, just want to put that out there too. I don't expect everyone to be able to do that, but I hope whoever is listening to this, and if you want some financial stability, feel free to hit me up. I'm happy to talk to you about how I would approach any situation you're in. Although I'm no, I'm no uh,
0: finance expert, but here we
1: are. Finance expert, yeah, exactly, or like life expert for that matter. I don't know. I probably could give you the worst advice too. So, but anyway. I just, I, I would like to say that, like, I really feel like it was hard and there's a lot of sacrifice, but I really love talking about, like, stability and helping people get there if they're interested in it. So um, hit me up if you're wanting to know more or want my perspective on your situation.
0: I think that is a beautiful place to, to wrap this conversation. I'll be sure to Link all of Late's contact info uh, in the show notes. Um, As you know, I end each episode with a question, a final question. And today's question, like every other week, is (laughs) What is the best advice you're ever given, or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self?
1: Mm, I feel like you told me to think about my answer to this, and I feel like I about for like a second and then I was like oh this is too hard like I put it away as I do sometimes um I I really feel like this may be advice that I think I gave myself and I certainly didn't give it when things were hard I think I gave it to myself when things were easier but Something that I would suggest doing is, so I'm someone who I I at least try to live my life with intention and with purpose and authenticity. And I don't think I could have done that had I not at several stages of my life listed out everything I was unhappy about although it's extremely painful to do that sometimes, but really list out everything I'm unhappy with and then begin thinking about not necessarily how I'm going to change it, but what the best case scenario looks like. For example, I hate being in debt, right? How can I, or what would it feel like to be out of debt? not how am I going to get out of debt, but how would it feel to be debt free? Um, And just really start thinking about like what I would want my life to look like, um, without thinking about the how and getting really creative with like, what would be really cool? Like, what would be really freaking awesome to do in my life? And, and just getting really clear on like what's important to me. Um, that's something that I wish I wish I had been told as like a younger person to do um, because I, I don't know, I think it would have just sped up some of this, like so the way I'm living my life now. Um, but I really think it's important to, to do that. So I would say if you're at all unhappy with anything in your life, writing it all down and really thinking about best case scenario how could life be different if this thing changed or if you acquired the thing that you wanted? Um, and don't, don't at all think about the how, but get really clear on what is important to you and figure out the how later, um, or at least just next. That's my advice. Um, for anyone interested.
0: (laughs) That was beautiful. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Laith. We're going to hang out. We're going to be friends. I'm actually going to FaceTime you later this week that's it for this week's episode of the tea with brie be sure to follow us on instagram at the tea with brie send me an email at the tea with brie at gmail.com and visit the website the tea with brie podcast.com don't forget to rate review and subscribe on apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast as always thanks to mama duke for our theme music and i will talk to y'all next week bye